Welcome to another episode of 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am the Deputy Director of the Americas Program at CSIS. Look how professional the Mexican but Are we ready? I don't reform trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what happened. No role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. Welcome to 35 West. On Sunday, February 6, Costa Ricans will head to the polls to elect a new president, two vice presidents, and 57 members of the National Assembly. With about two dozen candidates running for the presidency and none polling above 20%, a runoff in April seems highly likely. And this election becomes a very interesting one to watch in our region. Our guest today is Glenda Omania, a journalist with more than 25 years of experience covering Latin America and the Caribbean. Glenda was previously one of the top anchors for CNN en Español, reaching an audience of more than 50 million with her coverage. Today, Glenda's work seeks to support and elevate high-quality journalism throughout Latin America. In this podcast, Glenda will share with us her insights on the upcoming election in her native Costa Rica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Margarita, how are you? I'm so excited to be here and to welcome all the audience. And thank you so much for putting Costa Rica in the spot. Well, it's in the spot this week, especially all over the world. We're having this democratic festivity for us. It's a festivity and an important, uh, certainly an important moment for democracy and for the area, for Latin America, for the region. Glenda, let's get to know you first. Tell us about your professional background as a journalist and also tell us about the work of Glenda Umania Communications. How did that come about and what issues do you focus on that are relevant to the region? Thank you so much for that question. As you mentioned before, I am a former CNN news anchor. I worked for CNN Español for 18 years. And I started here in Costa Rica, where I'm right now, although I live in Atlanta, I still live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I studied journalism here. And then I had the opportunity for a scholarship in communication in Florida International University for my master's degree. That was a part of the program for Central American journalists. And certainly that was a great opportunity for me because it opened my eyes about international networks and my passion for journalism and for broadcasting, for trying to get into these international networks. That was very, very hard, I have to say, because I was a Costa Rican without, you know, documentation or without knowing how to get, without knowing things about agents and things like that. But I got some good advice and I, you know, finally I got into, there's a, a big story about that. About that. Uh, I don't want to make it long, but in 1997, I was part of the team that started the first 24-hour network, Spanish, which is CNN in Espanol. I was there for 18 years. And one day, uh, for corporate reasons, 1,400 of us had to leave. They had to let us go. So I really didn't know what to do. But then somebody, expert in marketing, they said, well, your name, you know, you have a brand here. You know, I'm a journalist, so I was not focusing on marketing. And that's how we started Glenda Omania Communications. 
And I'm special, my, my passion for journalism is number one. I still do a freelance, freelance and I work a lot in my, our social media, our platforms. But also I have uh, working many, many projects through the region, especially in communication, trying to strengthen certain institutions that need that. For example, in Guatemala, we have worked for USAID, they call it USAID, which is the International Agency for Development in Programs to strengthen you know, different institutions related to electoral issues, but also to strengthen, for example, the security to go against corruption. So I, I, have, I feel very proud of that. We have had the chance to observe also elections in Salvador. We have had the chance to host presidential debates in Guatemala, in Chile, in Salvador, and certainly also in Costa Rica. Also as part of our projects, we do, I'm a speaker, and we work a lot of empowering women in the region, in the private sector, but also in public sector. And so that's something very important for me. We just did something related to education and how the pandemic has impacted education and the new way and the challenges right now that we have in the region on education. So we are working in many, many subjects, including elections and also uh, the Costa Rican election. Exactly. So give us a landscape of the electoral process in Costa Rica. Give us some some stats. Give us number of voters going to the polls. Um, who votes? Give us a picture of the candidates, please. Okay, sure. Um, as you mentioned, right now I'm totally involved in this process. Um, and in Costa Rica, this is very, very historical process. I am a little, <laughs> I have to say, and this is hard to say because I know you will be shocked. And Margarita was mentioning at the beginning, but do you know how many candidates we have to this presidential election? 25, yes, yes, you, you hear me well, 25. I mean, the last one was 16, and we thought it was a lot. Well, this time, we have 25 candidates, and we are electing new government, but also we are electing new Congress. I would have to, to uh, look for some indices here in Costa Rica. We are like uh, the size of West Virginia, let's say, and we have more than 5 million people. In this election, our uh, 3.5 people are registered to vote. And uh, it's the third time that Costa Ricans out, living outside of Costa Rica, a lot of them in the United States, uh, have the chance to vote. I remember the first time there were only 12,000 Costa Ricans registered to vote outside the country. And now we have 50,000 people registered. So, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's been growing. And we have, I'm part of a movement too of influencers trying to promote and to motivate people to vote and to make their own decisions, you know? And that is not easy because the headline here is that at this, when I'm talking to you, <laughs> I mean, it seems like more than 40% of the people haven't decided, haven't decided for whom they're gonna vote. And I have to tell you something. I mean, I mean last uh, election, it was around 30% or a little less. Mm -hmm. We're talking about 40%. And I remember when I was going to vote, Margarita, the women, the one 
the person in front of me and the person we were on the line and I was talking to them while we wait our you know our turn and I was asking them uh, for them for whom you're gonna vote and you know what they said they said I'm gonna decide inside I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking seconds before entering I'm gonna decide inside both of them. So it seems this group is growing. Plus, the other thing that I, I, I heard yesterday, actually, is that uh, 47% of the electorado, of the people who are able to, to vote, are between 18 and 39 years old. The future of the country is in the hands of youth. And, and that's fantastic. I just hope that it's informed. Yeah, in the hands of youth and also women. I mean, it's always the same. It's the same in the States, right? At the end, the women are the ones who make the difference in the votes. Uh, but you say very, very important point is the, the young people. And so the fight, you, um, according you know, to, to this audience and, and this part of the citizens, this sector of the citizens are in social media, right? And I've been, these days I went out of the, of the main city, which is San Jose, our capital. I went out to talk with some people And I talk with young people too, and it surprised me. Some of them, you know, are really involved. Like they say, yeah, I'm getting to study the, the government plans and I, I'm getting to listen to them. Others not. Others said, uh, well, I'm going to see. I'm going to see. I'm going to decide last minute. Others say, a lot of them, I'm not interested. I don't believe in politics. I don't believe in any of them, although I know I'm going to vote. You know, and what's the abstention like in Costa Rica? Well, it's, it's, it's not high. It's not high. Maybe two of 10. Yeah, around two of 10. But we'll see how it will behave this weekend. The other day I was coming from New York. There were some Costa Ricans living in New Jersey, which is the biggest community in Costa Rica lives in New Jersey. And I was, I mean, it surprised me. I, I spent a lot of time talking with people. And, and he said, well, We don't talk about that really. That's not important for us, you know? And I mean, it's, it's not that he represents, you know, the, the whole citizens, but there are some people that uh, also, I went to another area in Costa Rica in the mountains to a little, little restaurant and I talked to the owners and he represents what a lot of people do. is not like going into like studying the candidates and having a more, you know, con conscious vote. He said, well, a person came to me here, a client, and he told me about how, how he's going to vote, with whom he's going to vote, and he convinced me, you know, just because a client convinced, I mean, talked to him about one of the candidates, and he said, I'm going to vote for this candidate because he, he convinced me, another, just another person. You know, so but but you you mentioned something very important, and and is the young the young citizens, and I mean their passions, their their concerns, and I mean for for years, for many 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 years, uh, in this country, the is like United States, like two parties. The elections were dominated by two parties, right? And it's not it hasn't been like that in the last two elections. It hasn't been like that. So right now we have polls, but with this 40% undecided, we cannot, uh, even the experts say, we cannot make a prediction. The only prediction at this point, it seems that the runoff, it seems for sure, which will be the, four, the fourth runoff 
in Costa Rica. That will be April 3rd. And Glenda, what are the main topics that are of interest to Costa Ricans? You know, what will make the average Costa Rican get up early Sunday morning and go out and vote? Of course. Well, a country also heated by the uh, pandemic, of course, unemployment. I mean, the the unemployment and also there's around uh, 400,000, 500,000 people unemployed. And, you know, our main income is tourism in Costa Rica. And uh, certainly, you know, we, we, we have been heated, although the good news is, I mean, a lot of, you know, we have a lot of um, our main uh, visitors are Americans and we have a lot of, of, of visitors. People are want to go, uh, you know, to visit their certain places. And Costa Rica is one of the favorite destinations, I have to say. So we have, we have seen that this is changing, but unemployment, but something, something very important in Costa Rica is corruption. Although, you know, according to the main agencies like Transparency, we are in the, in the best in transparency in the region, of course. When it comes uh, to corruption, Costa Rica occupies a privileged place in, in, in Central America. You know, that's what Corruption Perception Index said. But here inside, we have been heated by recent corruption scandals. And that's one of the main topics uh, for Costa Ricans. We have, we have um, you know, a lot of uh, Costa Rica is considered one of the most happiest countries in the world and we have a good index very good index because of our story of education of uh, including health uh, we have to say uh, it's one of the highest is even compared to developed countries and um, also with the pandemic we have been doing very very well compared to other countries we are educated we are the at least 97 percent of literacy rate which is which is very high and um, since, you know, our story in um, 1869, we made education mandatory, free and pay uh, for and by the state. Uh, and that was a big decision. And that included boys and girls, I have to say. So that is, of, of course, we have a lot of challenges, but um, we have uh, a very stable democracy, peaceful country, in general terms, economically, socially and politically. I want to shift gears a little bit. As uh, it's no secret to those who know me, I'm a big fan of yours and I follow you on social media. And I was very impressed with the project that you're doing and I'd like to talk about that. It's called Por Quien Voto. Tell us where that came from and how is this informing the vote of all these you know, undecided voters in Costa Rica? Margarita, first I have to say thank you so much for because you're a great follower of us in our social media and our projects and our platforms. And, and thank you for this question because this is very important for me and, and to express how did I came with this show called Por Quien Voto. It hit me last year when I was talking to a young voter. It's going to be his first vote. He is 21. And he said, hey, can you tell me, how can I make a decision? How can I get to know the real person behind the candidate without waiting for the last week of debates? Because here there are like two last debates in, in the two main, main stations. And that hit me. I felt, wow, my responsibility as a journalist 
is to give these tools to the people, you know? And generally, candidates go to a lot of um, interviews and many debates, and they, you know, where they present their plan programs, they present uh, the government, all these kind of hard questions, which have to be done, of course, but almost always it's in a, it's in a language that not everybody understands, you know, not everybody gets, and a lot of people consider it boring. So I decided to make something different, to make something that we can have a, a very, let's say, I don't want to say the word light conversation, but very like f- kind of friendly, but not, fr- not at all, because I made a que- I make the questions that we have to make in a different way, you know? So I can catch the attention of the people. And thanks God that has been functioning. I have to say not with all the candidates <laughs> because some of them are not that experienced and they don't want to separate from, from the formal script or the formal speech, which is not good for them, I have to say. But it was very interesting how the human side emerges how you were able to tap into things like you you are the you know the first of this many kids or the you know the the, the only girl or things like that it really um, in addition to their platforms and in addition to their professional and scholarly achievements it was very interesting to get insights into the human elements because at the end of the day that's you know one of them is going to be leading the country so i think it's it's key for for voters to to understand who's going to be representing them exactly exactly their values what are their values how did they grow up it was interesting because one of the questions for them and they didn't expect the question and some of them were like shocked and one of them even almost cried because i said what 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 has been the hardest moment in your life you know just to reflect their values and, and, and really what they think. And also some of them, like I started with something very casual, like one of them came with a very, uh, with printed socks, you know, like trendy socks like right now. So uh, although he's like, you know, uh, his ideology is not of consumism or I said, how you got, why is it important for you these socks where you got them, you know? Things that could be really, what are you talking about? But also to call the attention and from there, what is, what are their thoughts? You know, what are, choose, how are they going to choose the people that are going to be working? What is important for them? Yeah. And the whole issue about values, I think that that was superlative that you were able to, to tap into that. We will share in the uh, podcast description, the link to your YouTube channel so that our audience can check out the interviews because you've done a fantastic job and it may be useful for other countries as well to to do a similar exercise. So we will be sharing that in our podcast description. Glenda, what can we expect for the second round? Well, the only thing that's certain or that appears certain today is that there will be a runoff. There'll be a second round. What can we expect? Can you lay out a simple timeline for the next couple of months for, for our audience? What are some of the events that we, we should be looking for? Thank you. Thank you for that, that question. Well, first, 
at this point, uh, nobody knows really. I mean, we have the polls, but nobody knows who's gonna be the two finalists. Nobody knows. I mean, as we as we look to the past election, one that was not on the top according to the polls what was the uh, you know the the one who who make one of the finalists, and so it's it it could be totally unexpected as as I said, and I don't know if you agree with me. It's not only in Costa Rica. But how can we understand the behavior of, or not understand, we understand, but how can we know what is going to be the behavior of the citizens according to that day of voting? So what we can expect is a lot of expectative concerning partnerships. I mean, which of the 25, 25 parties, two are going to be chosen and what will happen to the followers of, of the others. Something very, very important, and <laughs> I have to underline, uh, Margarita, is that at least 16 of the candidates are also candidates for the Congress. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's fascinating. That is to explain why some of them want to be candidate, because they say, well, if I'm not have the possibility of being president. I mean, but we'll see because it's not that all of them are going to be for sure elected. But anyway, what we're going to see, it's a lot of, of that fighting for the partnerships who's going to be supporting these two finalists, who of them. We're going to see a lot of uh, social media movement as, as is usual in, in political process in also in Costa Rica. From our part in as journalists, a lot of including what people think, what people, their concerns, but also trying to, for people to understand that they don't have to share the, what it, it doesn't, we don't know where it comes from, the information, you know, the fake news. That is so important this week and it's so important in the process that it, it, for these two months. And of course, the, the way how these two finalists are answering the, the questions for these concerns uh, the people concerns, you know, we have, I didn't mention the challenges are related to security too. And the way of the Costa Rica, we are in, in the way of the drug dealers from South America, the illicit coming from South America, going to, to North America and how Costa Rica, it's, you know, uh, Costa Rica waters are part of these drug dealers and narcotraffic. So this is something that is a big concern. And also, you know, uh, the poverty, people that offering easy money for entering criminal groups, drug dealers, we have a bigger presence in our oceans and that has been increasing. It's, it's very hard to detect and that is certainly a big challenge. So you've touched upon this, but I'd like to bring this full circle. And this would be my, my last question for you. Costa Rica is an important partner in the region for the U.S. on several issues, um, migration, um, security, you just mentioned some of them, climate, democracy promotion. Why should these elections be important to the U.S.? Why should we keep an eye on what's happening in Costa Rica? Well, you mentioned something, something very, very important because we, we share a lot of values and we share, of course, commercially, uh, promoting policies to create a balance between agriculture and protecting our forests and environmental and private owners. 
Uh, that is something that has in interest, you know, United States and Costa Rica. We have 150,000 citizens from U.S. considered Costa Ricans to a lot of students to our country. All of this is such a result of that decision to be parent. Trade has been increasing for the past 30 years. The trade agreements, the United States, we have a strong, we, have, we export in medical, medical devices. Uh, we have other sources of income from the U.S. relations. And the most important ter terms of trade, tourism, as I was mentioning, and these, all these people that, that live. And I, th I think it's, it's very, very important. I don't think there's going to be a big change. Well, it depends. You know, we have to, to see very close. There's one of the parties that, you know, it's different um, ideology. It's more socialist um, or communist, I have to say, directly. And when I interview Jose Maria Villata of this party, I asked him, for example, what does he think about Nicaragua and Venezuela? Because a lot of people are scared about him being a finalist, Jose Maria Villalta from the Communist Party, although he has been saying, you know, he's, he's not, uh, he doesn't support at all this kind of dictatorships, for example, and he has been uh, in the Congress and doing a very, very good job. That's why a lot of young people are supporting him. Although, according to the polls, but we, we cannot say for sure, according to the polls, since we had that 40%, he's not in the three top main finalists. So I don't think there's going to be like big changes according um, in the relations with the United States. We have been partners. And I think we, we have, you know, the same view, especially on democracy. And we are not part of the main worries of United States. I mean, compared to Guatemala, Honduras, and Salvador, we, you know, all the, all the crisis. And although we have, I was saying, some big challenges, you don't see that migration, emergency and crisis migration from Costa Ricans to United States. Glenda, is there something that we did not cover? Anything else that you would like to highlight or add? Well, I just want to say that Costa Rica, we, we respect so much our institutions, the, the Supreme Electoral has a lot of credibility. So we are very proud of our system in that area. Uh, one of the big challenges in Costa Rica for many, and I've been a journalist and it's always Every government says they want to shrink the, uh, all, all the institutions because we have like 300 institutions and not all of them work well and we have to shrink that. So that's a big challenge. But what I have to underline is that this is a big party. This is a big party for Costa Rica. It's, it's very important for us. Although it's not like when I was a girl, a little girl that I used to go, you know, in every corner all the week with, with flags. Now the, as you know, we are, it's in social media, the expression, but we are very excited for, for this, for every political process. Uh, people understand the importance of their vote. And what I, I'm, I have to say is that we are very proud and we are, it's, 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 it, it gets to our heart, you know? The thing to, to go in there knowing that, that we have freedom. We have freedom of expression totally. And we have this freedom to choose for whom we're going to vote. 
that is very important for us. And as a citizen, I am very proud and uh, very emotional too <laughs> about that. Well, we're going to keep an eye on these elections. Thanks so much for joining us today in 35 West. Glenda, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West. <laughs>